Hey, it's Tuesday. The new episode of Two Degrees Hotter is out. It's my favorite Gen Z lifestyle and self-development podcast. I'm on my way over. Let's listen to the latest episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of TDH. How's it going? Wow, TDH. Yeah, I I said it. She said it, folks. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Kylie. And I'm Anya. And we are having ourselves perhaps our coziest recording session ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anya kicked her boyfriend out so that we could record in the living room. And by that, we mean he flew to Florida for the week. So he's not here. (laughs) On his own free will. (laughs) Uh, No, but we are in Anya's apartment all by ourselves. And we were like, we can record wherever we want in this apartment. So why not the couch with some tea? And some flankies mm-hmm. and some overall chill vibes. We um, were in New England, if you're new here, and we just got over like a weird like heat wave mm-hmm. <laughs> for this time of year. And now it's gotten nice and chilly. So I feel like this cozy vibes edition of the podcast is coming at a good time. Yes. And it gets dark so early now. Yeah. True. So here we are. But we have a big announcement before we get into the segments for this week. We are dropping our very first merch. Yes. Yeah. Insert exciting sound effect here. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's tell them what the merch is. Yes. So we are coming out with hoodies. They are light pink and they have a very fun uh, collage design with our logo as well as just some other graphics and sayings that you'll definitely recognize if you are a frequent listener of the podcast. Huge, huge, huge shout out to Leanne who is our graphic designer and helped really bring our vision for the merch come to life. Yes. And her, she just changed the name of her shop. So let's make sure we... Studio May. Yeah. Yeah. So Studio May, follow on Instagram. She has the cutest Instagram. She's like posting all these little animals right now. It's really filling my cup. I'm really into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so our merch just kind of has like some TDH motifs on it. It's got a martini glass. It's got a microphone. It's got a little Boston rep on there. Um, so definitely go check it out. We are going to have a Google form um, for you guys to place your orders. And the order forms are going to be open until midnight on November 29th. So it's two weeks from today. And we'll remind you guys in the next episode too. But it's a pretty limited edition drop. I don't know that we're going to necessarily drop these again unless you guys really like them. So if you want to get some merch, now's your time. Yes. And we tried to price them uh, like very reasonably. We did some crowdsourcing as to like what people would be comfortable with. But if the price is like a constraint for you, but you want to have merch, like definitely reach out to us because yeah. we'll be totally happy to work with you, help cover some of the costs because we just want you to be able to rep the podcast. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we're excited about it. And we'll remind you guys until your little ears bleed because we want you guys to order merch if you want it. We don't want you to miss the deadline. Yes. So that's going to be in the episode description. So you might be wondering, what is this episode about? We'd love to tell you. We are going to talk about negotiation. So listen, we want you guys to get the things you want in life. Yes. Whether it's a job, whether it's your ideal living situation, whether it's a kid kid or not a kid, 
there's lots of things in life that you're going to have to compromise on, whether it be in a workplace setting, a personal setting, and it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. It kind of sucks no matter what. It sucks. Yeah. (laughs) It's uncomfortable. It's unnatural. Yeah. I think people most of the time try to avoid conflict. I know my Libra ass does every single time, but it's really critical. It's so, so important to do. And you may be surprised that you're already doing it much more often than you think in your day-to-day life. Yeah. Honestly, like you're probably negotiating on like one thing a day. Like even if it's like a small thing, like- oh, can you take the trash out? No, like, I thought you were going to do it. You know, so, like, just even yeah. little things like that. Yeah, that's a negotiation, a baby negotiation. Yeah, just a mini one. So yeah. we have a lot of tips for you guys. This is, like, a very researched episode. So if yeah. you like these types, definitely stick around. And let's get into our segments. Yeah. So for my week in review, I kind of had two things I wanted to talk about. The first thing is a TikTok that I saw, and it was basically like this montage of someone cleaning their house. And granted, this person had like kids and, you know, a lot more to clean up than I generally do. Um, But the caption of the TikTok was, grateful to have a life that creates mess. And I feel like that one sentence really like reframed a lot of my, mm. um, I guess like issues that I have with like cleanliness because I've always been a person that's very like tidy. Yeah. Like almost to a fault where like it actually like ruins my mood if like one or two things are like out of place or if like the sink is full. Um, and so like I would always get frustrated when like roommates would like leave their sweatshirt somewhere they wouldn't normally leave their sweatshirt yeah. or like. I don't know, just things like that, like things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but just things that would bother me. Or like, you know, if I kind of let things um, scatter around the house like over the week and then the weekend comes and I'm like overwhelmed, I have to take care of it all. But it's like, I always have to remind myself like the reason that I'm able to have this mess is because I live in this great apartment and I have all of these things that I like and that I use and that's, and I have a busy life and it's full of all these things that I like to do. So I come back late and I leave things wherever because I'm tired and that's good. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Thought I would share the the sentence, grateful to have a life that creates mess. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would be like, that would probably resonate even more if you were like a parent because like your kids are creating a mess that like you have nothing to do with. And then yeah. <laughs> I'm literally just like, that is my downfall. I, yeah. I could like not handle that, but maybe I'll get better. <laughs> yeah. You're like, the kid's three years old. You're like, listen. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to need you, you to do something clean about up this. Yourself. <laughs> it's time for you to start pulling your weight. <laughs> Um, so that was one thing. And then the other thing is just this past like week or so, I mentioned that I moved into a new role at work and I feel like it's kind of thrown me off my like workday rhythm a little bit just because I'm doing different things than I used to. And I have not taken like a true lunch or like a true, more importantly, lunchtime walk Oh my god! in like a week. Wow. And so it's really like my – I can tell my mood is like significantly worse at the end of the day when I don't do that, but it's just been hard to find the time. So I need to like either be more regimented, like try to get things done faster or like maybe log on a little earlier so that I can like create time in the day. But yeah, so that's been a little bit of a a thorn. Yeah. Ooh, (laughs) good word. Um. I my lunchtime walk is like a non-negotiable. It used to be like that for me, and then I just like got too busy, and now I'm like 
There's no time. Wow. C-suite level things. (laughs) Please. Um, So for me, (laughs) all I put was 75 semi-hard, which I think is very funny. But we've talked a lot about, uh, in recent episodes, honestly, getting back into routine. And folks, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm struggling with it. Um, And to be fair, I think I was kind of like reflecting a little bit as I was thinking about what I wanted to say for this segment. And like, I think I am being a bit hard on myself. Like I am working out more regularly than I have been in the past couple of months. I am like back into reading pretty much every day, at least like 10 pages. Uh, So there are like little aspects of my routine that I'm, I'm definitely getting back into. But part of me is just like feeling like I need a little external motivation. I need like something Mm -hmm. to like really like whip my ass into shape. And truthfully, adult Kylie has a lot of trouble with like Mm self-discipline. And I think that's just because I'm like burnt out. No, that's like that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like we had to be self-disciplined for so long. That I'm like, whatever, like, yeah. I'm an adult now, I get to make the rules, I can have the entire sleeve of Oreos, and you absolutely can, but if I'm not feeling good, yeah. then, like, something has to change, so I say 75 semi-hard, because obviously this is, like, the single worst time to take on something, like, 75 hard. Well, do you want to describe what it is, because I kind yeah. of forget, too. Yeah, so it's, actually, I have the app, because I was Oh, there's an app? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is it, like, a company, or it's just, like, someone made an app? Someone made an app. Interesting. Um, um, okay, so there are six rules to the 75 hard traditional program. Uh, if you skip a day, you must start over. Or if Shocking. You, or if you miss one <laughs> task, you must start over. Oh, my God. I already hate it. Pick a diet to follow with no alcohol and no cheat meals. During the holidays. I'll get there. No, ma'am. I'll get there. Drink a gallon of water a day. Okay. Complete two daily workouts. And they're supposed to be 45 minutes each, three hours apart, and one of them has to be outside. I wonder why three hours apart. I guess so you don't just do an hour and a half and yeah. call it. Okay. Um, read 10 pages a day of a nonfiction book and then take a progress photo every day. Okay. Yeah, this is sounding familiar. So I was talking to Zach about this. And there's also like the 75 soft challenge where it's like, I think you do like one 45-minute workout a day. Um you eat like a more balanced diet and more like mindfully and intuitively. You can read 10 pages of any book. I was kind of looking for something like in the middle of the two of them. So like I could probably, I could easily actually fit in two 45 minute workouts, especially with dance. If dance counts as one and then a lunchtime walk, because there's no rules for like what, it doesn't have to be like 45 minutes of strenuous workout twice a day. You just have to move your body for 45 minutes. So I'm like, I can do that. I can drink a gallon of water um, where I I could take a progress photo, whatever. And also, if I miss that in a day, I'm not going to beat myself up for that. Like, that's not that big of a deal. Um, Where I want to, like, give in a little is reading 10 pages of any book. I don't think it needs to be nonfiction. I just want to get back into the habit of reading. And I personally like reading fiction books more. So that I would make a exception for. And then the diet, I think I would, this is where I would lean into more 75 soft of like more balanced eating, focus on incorporating more whole foods into my diet and less on like restricting Mm -hmm. my diet and allowing myself at holiday parties and certain events to like 
indulge and, you know, be fine with that. As well as like, I think I would limit alcohol, you know, and I already, again, kind of do this. I'm not a huge drinker. I really only drink during like special occasions or social occasions. So just kind of like sticking to that and like just being more mindful of my alcohol consumption in those occasions, I think would suffice. So that's, I'm kind of thinking of taking that on. I think it'll definitely be challenging during the holidays, but I, I kind of feel like it almost like canceled out the fact that I'm modifying some of the rules. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, so it has to be 75 days? Yeah. And which what would, does that bring us to? If I started on Monday, say, clean new week, I think it brings us to like the end of January. Okay. So in theory, I would be like doing pretty well come like the dance show time, which I kind of have in the back of my head. Um, I did also mention this to Zach and he said he would do it with me. So I have an accountability buddy. I am not going to do it over the holidays. Maybe which is respectable. (laughs) If you did it a different time of year, I'm like, listen, this is my special time. I cannot. Yeah. This is the only time of year that I like unapologetically let myself be lazy. So I need to give myself that, but I yeah. respect the hustle. Yeah. See, and I've been unapologetically letting myself be lazy in the past. And now I'm starting to like not like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly think I would start with this and then maybe to- at the end of these 75 days, try to do like the actual like stick to the 75 hard. Jeez. Challenge. She's in, she's in her challenge era. I love a challenge, honestly. <laughs> you do, I'm I very like. motivated by them. So this just is just like having rules. Literally, yeah, I just need rules. Doesn't have rules because she's an adult, needs to create rules for herself. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I need to remind Zach. I bet Zach's already forgotten. And I'm it was supposed like, to be starting Monday? Like this coming Monday. Oh, oh, this yeah. Coming. Okay, okay. Yeah. This week was like my trial week of like, all right, realistically, how could I fit these moving parts into my schedule. We'll see. I'll keep you posted. I I think even if I can do half of the stuff every day, I'll be feeling better than I am mm-hmm. now. So that's kind of, I'm going in, that's why I call it semi-hard. Cause I'm like, I'm not, uh, the, who's the guy that started this? He's like a lot. I'm going to mm-hmm. be honest with you. It's like Andy something. Anyways, look it up. You'll see who <laughs> started it. But that that's what I'm thinking. We'll see. Yeah. Nice. In my challenge era. You mentioned the dance show. So I will say, mm-hmm. I know that a lot of our listeners are in the Boston area and like, we don't know them, but I know that they're around here. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've learned. Um, so if you're in the Boston area and you want to come to a dance show in the first or the second weekend of January, I think. Yeah. Like, or MLK weekend, um, message us and we'll, yes. we'll get you set up because those tickets come out soon. All right, so let's get into our favorites. So I had written one, but I just thought of another, so I'm going to have two. Wow. My first one is really simple. It's Apple's like quick notes. And I never had this until I got a new laptop. So I don't know if my old laptop just like wasn't updated with this feature or something Mm. like that. But basically, it's like you have your notes app, just like the one that kind of translates from like your phone to your computer. But you have you can like pin one. Do you have this? So like if I go to my bottom corner here, I like have this pinned. Oh. And then when I click on it, it comes up with my to-do list. So that you guys don't have a visual, but I just did. But you can basically like pin a note and then you can um, have it live in like your bottom 
right corner of your screen if you have a Mac. And then if you hover over there, it's like easy to see it really quick. Yeah. So I like it because I've put my to-do list there. So I have like my to-do list with work, personal, podcast, dance, and then my eventually category. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like having it so quickly accessible. And I also like having it uh, from my phone to my computer really easily because if I'm like out on a walk or something and I think of something I need to do for work, I can add it to the same place. It's not like I'm away from my written agenda because I feel yeah. like that used to happen to me sometimes. So I like both of those things. And also just like I've tried a lot of different task management things in the past. And I just feel like having it just like classic on the Mac notes, like it's just working for me right now. So give it a try. Set up your little, I don't know what they really call it. Like I think they call it like quick notes or something like that. Uh, You can pin like a quick note. So give it a try. That was my first thing. And then my second thing is I'm in my no longer using eyelash curler era. Mm, welcome. And this is like revolutionary for me because welcome. for years, I I mean, I guess I just, I never didn't use an eyelash curler. Like from when I started doing my makeup when I was like, you know, playing around like age 12. Yeah. I feel like I just always had one. And I always joke that I have horse eyelashes. Like they're long, but they point like literally straight down, you know, like Same, how horses yeah. do. And so I just always thought I was the type of person that needed an eyelash curler. And then while we were in Portugal, mine broke. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. It broke on like the third day we were there. And I was kind of like, oh, well, that sucks. Like whatever. But I wasn't going to like go buy a new one in Portugal. Like I was like, whatever. Yeah. And I just never bought a new one because I actually feel like if you do – like I learned that if you do your mascara right, it kind of does the same thing. True. Like it hasn't been a big difference at all. And I'm definitely keeping more eyelashes because like inevitably sometimes like your eyelash curler would kind of like rip a few out and stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, kind of kind of interesting. I feel like I just I used that beauty tool for like literally a decade. Yeah. And just never even thought that I might not need it. And I'm realizing I don't need it. So Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Eyelash curlers, I I used them for a really long time, but I never liked it. Oh, I like, always I, really liked it. But I just really? I thought I could never achieve that effect without one. And I realized that I can. Yeah. Yeah. I never liked not even that I didn't like the look of them. I just didn't like the process. Like it always mm. freaked me out. I was so nervous one day I was going to just rip all my eyelashes out and I just, it wasn't my thing. And then finally one day, I think mine like either broke or it was just really old and like gross that I was like, Ugh, I really shouldn't be like putting this close to my eyeball probably. So I'm going to try to go without it. And I just never looked back. Yeah. I haven't used one in years. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I won't really, maybe like for a special occasion, it's nice to have one around, but even then like. I feel like the effect, the truly like super curled effect really doesn't last that long for me yeah. anyway because, again, horse eyelashes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw that there's ones like – like I saw that Aspen Ovard had a heated one. And yeah. I'm like, that's terrifying. Terrifying. That's scary. Terrifying. Or people would like blow dry. Yeah, I've seen that. <sighs> don't do that, like, please. Burn your eyelid. Please don't do that. I beg. Um. So for my favorite this week, I had to look it up. They are the Ugg Tasman slippers. So they're like the classic. T-A-S-M-A-N. Yes, thank you. Uh, They're really, really trendy right now. You've probably seen them on TikTok. Uh, I know, I think the platform version, which I think is also called the Tasman, but it's T-A-Z-M-A-N. I'm pretty sure. Weird. Uh, But the platform ones I've seen, these ones aren't platform. They're just like a normal sole. I have them in the chestnut color which is just like classic warm brown like it's like the classic Ugg Ugg, color yeah and I just think they're really cute they're they're literally outdoor slippers like mm-hmm. 
They're so cute. I love wearing them with little like crew socks and sweats. You look so good. You look so stylish and you're so cozy and comfy. I literally walked here in them like a 20 minute walk and I was chilling. I was fine. So do not, you don't use them as inside slippers? Mm -mm. Okay. I wasn't sure. No, I have separate inside slippers and those are my outside slippers. Love that. Yeah. Good to have something to like, you know, get the mail. Yeah. Take out the trash. Yeah. Quick things like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Run a quick errand. Mm -hmm. They're good grocery store. Like you just look cute. Um, they were a hundred, which I feel like isn't horrible for UGG. Yeah. Like I saw they were a hundred and I was like, okay, this is doable. I mean, normal UGGs are like, what, 150? I don't even know. I haven't evaluated that in like years, I feel like. Same. But I mean, and that's not to say a hundred dollars is a lot of money. I don't mean to minimize that, but I think for UGGs, that's like pretty reasonable. I got them for myself for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like. Holiday deals are coming up, so I'm sure people could probably find a better price. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, yeah. I will leave them linked. I got them on Amazon. Um, I I was looking back just now at my order so that I had the name of the style for you guys. And I think they are, are not Prime anymore. So, mm, I'll probably link, that. like, the UGG yeah. website below. That reminds me, actually. We have to do our gift guides and our wish yes. lists soon. Mm. Next week, maybe. Maybe. Is it too early? Never too early. Okay. Maybe next week. Stay tuned. All right. We're going to take a quick ad break, and then we will be back to talk about negotiation. Negotiation. <laughs> If you know anything about our show, you know Anya and I really prioritize our health, sustainability, and building a community around the things that young women go through. That's why we feel so lucky to have met and interviewed Katie Diosti in 2020, a Gen Z entrepreneur, overall badass, and founder of Viv for Your V, who we are so proud to partner with on this episode. Viv is an earth-friendly period care subscription brand created to bring sustainable and clean products to the hands of menstruators. Something crazy that I personally didn't know is that the average menstrual pad is equal to about four plastic bags and can take up to 800 years to break down. Yeah, and this is a big deal because a menstruator can use anywhere from 5,000 and 15,000 disposable period care products in their cycle's lifetime. And at any time, 800 million menstruators are on their period right now. That's why we feel really great about using Viv's bamboo-based products. Bamboo uses a quarter the amount of water, less land and fertilizers, and is naturally hypoallergenic, breathable, and actually more absorbent than cotton. It's so crazy to know that with every Viv box, you can save 643 pounds of CO2, 607 gallons of water, and 48 plastic bags from entering a landfill. Another problem that Viv is solving for is access to products when you need them the most. I think we can all relate to having that oh shit moment and realizing you're going to have to make a CVS run on top of all the things you're already dealing with. With their subscription-based model, it's so easy to choose how often you want your products delivered and have them on hand so you can conquer more. They have products for every type of period, from pads and liners to tampons and even menstrual cups. Viv totally converted me to a cup user. I love that it's zero waste, reusable, and lasts up to 10 years. Plus, the ring on their cup is a total game changer. You guys have to try it. We personally feel amazing about the way we're treating our bodies, the planet, and supporting a clean, sustainable, and women and minority-owned business all at the same time. Use the code and the link in our bio to shop the Viv website with 20% off, and definitely check out our episode with Katie to learn even more. And now, hotties, back to the episode. All right, we're back. We've had this episode idea on the list for a while, I feel like. And I guess the main thing that we want to get across is that like, when you hear us say negotiation, you're probably thinking about a job offer or like 
something in the business world, but you negotiate every day. You negotiate with your partner. Who's going to do the dishes after dinner? You negotiate with people at work. How are you going to delegate, you know, tasks here? Who's going to take on what part of this project? Heck, you even negotiate with yourself half the time. Yeah, that's true. So a lot of this is going to be relevant to like a workplace kind of environment, but hopefully a lot of it is also relevant to just like life negotiations because there's going to be, I mean, essentially almost every situation has multiple different perspectives coming into it. Yeah. You probably don't have the same opinion on everything as anyone. Yeah. (laughs) So you're going to have to arrive at like a good middle point for the two of you. Yeah. So. Negotiation is just a buzzword for compromise. Let's be honest. Oh, wow. Poetic. I got a lot of stuff going on (laughs) in this mind. What can I say? But it really is. Like when you break it down, like a negotiation is just a means of coming to a compromise. Yeah. Like the compromise compromise is the end goal. The negotiation is the verb. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, But yeah. And I think, I believe this is what made us kind of want to put this on our list was uh, an article from the Muse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. About a couple who literally negotiated how they would delegate like parental duties when raising kids before they decided to start trying to conceive. Mm -hmm. And like they basically, it seemed like if I'm remembering the article correctly and I'll link it below, the woman, it was a hetero couple and the woman wanted to be able to maintain her like sense of independence, her career and not feel like all of the burdens of parenthood would fall on her. Like it typically does in like stereotypical gender Mm -hmm. roles. Uh, So she negotiated with her husband and they came to an agreement of how they would delegate the task to ensure that they both get got to keep their personal career goals or, you know, whatever goals they had for their lives intact while also raising kids. And only after they came to an agreement did they decide to start conceiving and then have a kid. Uh, So I I think we both found that like really interesting because you never think of like it's very unromantic yeah that's what i was gonna say it's like it feels like it's something you shouldn't have to do like yeah oh like these beautiful life moments should be like spur of the moment and like meant to be and all these things and it's like well if you actually put some thought into them beforehand and like set the parameters of like what everyone involved is like willing to do you might have a better outcome yeah exactly (laughs) like if you set the expectation from the the get-go if Mm -hmm. you know exactly what the other person is and is not willing to do. Yeah. Now, you know, you're going into it without having to learn that the hard way when there's already a kid there. Right. Or, you know, insert any big life choice where kid is. Yeah. Uh, And I think a big um, area that I can think of where Grant and I had to negotiate was like in our apartment search. mm, Because like, you know, I'm coming in with what I would want. I actually, I wanted to live in a completely different area, to be honest, when I think back. And I'm really glad that it, we don't live there yeah. <laughs> in general. But like, you know, there I wanted to live in a certain area. He wanted to have a certain amount of space. He really wanted outdoor space. That was really important to him. We both really wanted, you know, washer dryer. Like yeah. there's all these things that like you're not going to have the exact same ideal most likely. So like, yeah, there's, it doesn't have to be such a big life example. It can be negotiating with roommates on who's going to get what room in your apartment. Yeah. Those were like the worst conversations, I feel the like. Um, so yeah. This should hopefully be relevant to lots of different areas. Yeah. This list is kind of an accumulation of tips from a couple different places, which we will have linked down below. The two main places that we pulled from, other than our own minds, 
were Help Scout and I think it's either Harvard Business School or like Harvard Business Review. Mm -hmm. Um, So we will have them linked down below, but let's get into some of our tips. The first tip, and this is more so in like a business context, I would say, Mm -hmm. but I guess also like a friend or, you know, relationship, whatever context is not to underestimate the importance of being likable. (laughs) Yeah. So this sounds basic, but it really is like such a crucial element of this whole thing because people are going to fight for you only if they like you. Anything you do in a negotiation that makes you less likable really reduces the chances that the other side will work to get you a better deal or a better offer. Um, So it's more than just being polite. It's kind of like there's lots of like complex things you need to navigate when you're negotiating, asking for what you deserve without seeming greedy, pointing out deficiencies in the offer without seeming petty, things like that. So just like making a good impression and like making it clear that you are in it to like arrive to an ideal outcome for everyone involved and like not just for yourself uh, is like step one, I feel like. Yeah. Just make sure they like you because if they don't like you, they're not going to try at all to get you a good outcome. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, this is more in business because the hope is that anyone in your personal life that you're negotiating (laughs) with indeed like you. (laughs) Um, So then the next tip that we have is to have a strategy. And by this, we really just mean like have a well-formulated argument for why you're even bringing something to the table to begin with, personal or professional. So you want to make sure you do your homework. You want to gather pertinent information prior to your negotiation. And you also want to be thinking from the other party's perspective, what arguments will resonate with them the best, what will put them on the defensive, uh, what are their needs, what pressures do they feel, what options do they have. Really try to like not only flesh out your own argument, but almost anticipate how the other person is going to argue and what they are going to feel in the moment so that you can try to mitigate any of those differences. Mm -hmm. Um, Doing your homework is vital to a successful negotiation. You can't make accurate decisions without understanding the other side's situation fully. And so the more information you have about the people with whom you're negotiating, the stronger you will be. Um, Yeah, people who consistently leave money on the table probably fail to do their homework. That was a very Harvard Business School <laughs> sentence. But it's true. Like if, you, if you've if you left something out on the negotiation table personally or professionally, it's probably because you didn't take the time to really flesh out your own argument and really think of the other person's perspective and argument on all sides. So embrace your inner detective. Mm-hmm. Now is the time. Listen, all of us- yeah. All the women, we want to do this anyway. So yeah. now's your time. Now's yeah. to go. Now's Let the time shine. to go Let FBI it rain on them. Free, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so the next tip is to really know like what are your parameters on mm-hmm. either side. What are your deal breakers? When is your walk away point? When is the conversation no longer productive to you? What is like? What are your non negotiables? I guess. Yeah. Um, and in a like career context, I think it's also important to make it clear that you like are actually considering what they're proposing, like the offer, because it takes like having been on the other side of hiring, it takes a lot to like advocate for someone in that kind of setting. And people only have a limited amount of like capital, like, you know, social capital or like political capital in the workplace to get approval for like a better offer for you. Like Mm -hmm. if you're trying to come back and be like, oh, give me 10K more or whatever. Like people only have a certain amount of times they can like do that for someone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so if they suspect at the end of the day, you're still going to say no, they're not going to put in the effort for you. And 
Yeah. So if you like are trying to negotiate for a better deal for yourself, like make it clear that if you got that deal, you would likely take the offer. Uh, And it's like challenging because sometimes you want to play this game of like, oh, I have other offers on the table. Like, ooh, like everyone wants me careful. But like the more strongly you play that, the more likely that they might be like, oh, they're just going to, we're just going to like bend backwards for this person and they're not going to pick us anyway. Yeah. So it's like a very fine line. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So like if you're planning to mention that you have other offers as like leverage, you should balance that by saying why or like under what conditions you would be happy to forego those options and accept an offer from them. So like I think like the key line is like, you know, I have received another offer, but I'm still really excited about what you're doing. And if we could make this work, like I would, you know, something like that. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think this is kind of going off script, but especially when it comes to like, say you're in like your current position and you have received a job offer that you're considering and you bring that as leverage, like kind of remembering that you really only get to play that card once Mm. at your company and like really deciding whether or not it's the right time to do that and deciding how to frame your argument as well. You don't necessarily need to say, I have an offer for X, Y, Z. You could say, I've done some market research on Mm. this position and the roles and responsibilities I've taken. And I think that I should be compensated. Why? And this is more like career advice, obviously. But yeah, just being mindful of when to play the, when to play certain cards and when it's okay to not bend the truth, but kind of sugarcoat the truth a little bit um, for the sake of not putting a sour taste in the other person's mouth. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it is a thing that like, number one, if your boss knows you're looking, like you're seriously looking at other opportunities, you essentially become like a lame duck in some ways. Like why would they want to put you on projects? Why would they want to give you more responsibilities if they just kind of know you're like checked out anyway, or like Mm -hmm. you're looking for other things anyway? And then also there's like this stat, and I think we've said it in an episode before, but now I can't remember what it was, but essentially it was something crazy. It was like 75% of people that like take a counter offer as in, you know, get an, get an offer and then go back to their job and then take a higher salary at their existing job. It was like 75% of people end up leaving within a year anyway. Wow. Cause it's like most of the time, unless it's just the money that you're unhappy with, like if that is the only thing you're unhappy with is the money and you get more than like, great, you'll stay. But most of the time it's more than just your salary that is making you want to look at another job. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. In my opinion, there's very few situations where like taking a counter offer is beneficial. Yeah. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So then our next tip is to negotiate process before substance. And again, this is more so career oriented than applicable to your personal lives. But basically what this means is know who the decision makers are in this negotiation and Make sure that you are playing your cards, playing the right cards for the right people. So you don't want to show everything and lay it all out there for a middleman that's just going to turn around and be like, okay, this is great, but I need to get approval from my boss. Mm -hmm. Um, Really understand the process, understand what channels need to be negotiated through and figure out where to lay out your argument um, from there. So for example, negotiating with a prospective boss is going to look very different than negotiating with an HR representative. Um, and yeah, I think at the end of the day, like just knowing knowing who the final decision maker is, um, is the key and sort of working backwards from there. Yes. And like in the prospective boss versus HR rep example, 
like you need to remember that like you're probably going to have an ongoing relationship with this boss assuming you take this job and so maybe you don't want to like nitpick every single little aspect of this job description with them because that like puts a sour taste in their mouth before you've even started yeah but if you're talking to an hr rep like i in my opinion you can be like way more honest with them because they're they're not really going to be like in your personal day to day Although a lot of people, sorry if you're in HR, but a lot of people say like HR exists to represent the company, not the employees. T. I my work does not have an HR. We are a small yeah, enough organization that I don't have much of an opinion, but I have heard that for like larger companies. Watch out. Yeah. Sorry if you're in HR. I'm sure you're great. But um, anyways, the next one is to be an active listener. So obviously you're gonna come in with like your own preconceived notions of what you would like to get out of this situation. But really try to listen to what are their concerns and especially like where are they willing to be flexible and is there any overlap in the areas that you are willing to be flexible and kind of yeah. how can you – I feel like <laughs> – I hope we don't sound like extremely calculated. Like I don't want people to feel like you need to like manipulate everyone in your personal yeah, life. no. <laughs> That's all we're trying to say. But like I don't know. Like just I think being a little more intentional with listening to what their concerns actually are. So like going back to like the apartment example, right? It's like oh, I don't want to live in that part of town because it makes my drive to work much longer. Okay, why? Because it's far from the highway. Okay, is there another part of town that's closer to the highway that we haven't considered that might fit more of what I want, you know? Yeah. Something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and I think, like, when you're looking at it from your personal life, less so with, like, professional, but from a personal standpoint, like, you're really trying to understand the other person's perspective because you also want the best for them. Yeah. Right? So you need to figure out their perspective and where – if you don't know their perspective, you don't know where you're willing to give Mm -hmm. for them. Um, So, yeah. So I think, like you said, we don't want to sound manipulative. Like, we really – it's really out of, like, consideration of understanding everything from all sides and what – would make both parties happy so that you can try to meet as many of those things as possible. That That's where we're yeah, trying to get. that's the goal. That's the goal. Uh, when it comes to companies, however, though, please be manipulative. Mani- yeah, manipulate the shit yeah. out of them because yeah, you can they're doing them. that to you. So, yeah. <laughs> um, The next one, I guess this kind of like ties into what we were just talking about, but have a plan B. And I think this is especially the case for more personal conversations and compromises. I think in every personal relationship, you know, in a perfect world, you'd be able to find great compromise that balances both parties' wants and needs. But unfortunately, most of the time, compromises are going to benefit one party a little bit more than the other. Ideally, those compromises would end up evening out in the end. Some, you know, both parties are compromising at different times. But really plan ahead and think about what will happen if you can't come to an agreement or if you end up being the one that needs to compromise more in this given situation. Just so that when you go into this argument, you kind of already know what it will look like to lose. And I think that takes away a lot of the like fear and uncertainty that can Mm -hmm. drive more like defensive, argumentative conversations around various life events. Um, You don't want to be defensive. You don't want it to turn into a fight. So kind of getting that plan and being like, okay, if I end up being the one that has to compromise, this means that I will be further away from work. But you know what? I will get an outdoor space. That'll be really nice in the summer. I like to host too. So I can see that being beneficial. So, you know, maybe I will get used to 
a longer commute um, if, you know, I have those aspects of my life balancing, kind of playing that mm-hmm. sort of scenario in your head. Yeah. And I think like even going off of this example, my plan B, like if we couldn't come to a location that we both wanted to live was that I was going to look at apartments myself and we just would live separately for a little longer. And even if yeah. that's like, if that's your answer, it's like, at least you have that in mind and know like what your next step yeah. is kind of thing. Um, and yeah, like in this specific example, like Grant works out of the city and I really wanted to prioritize living in the city. And if he really wanted a shorter commute and I really wanted to live in the city, like, and we couldn't come to an agreement, plan B might be just that we don't live together and that's fine. Yeah. But obviously we do it. it we came to an agreement, but yeah. just for the purposes of this thought experiment, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> so the next tip is to really like especially in a career aspect, like give the narrative for everything. So explain your reasoning of why you want a certain outcome. Don't just say point blank, I want this outcome. Because you really need to help them understand why you deserve what you're asking for. I mentioned that likability is a big thing, but unfortunately it's not enough for them to just like you. They also have to believe that you're worth whatever offer you're wanting, you're negotiating for. So don't just say like, oh, I want 15% higher salary or like I want permission to work from home one day a week. You should really explain like why it's justified for you. So yeah. thinking about the reasons that you deserve more money than others that they might have hired, like thinking through like what aspects of your experience are like most relevant or maybe like you have responsibilities on Fridays, maybe like you caretake for someone on Fridays. It makes sense for you to be at home, you know, um, things like that. So if you have no justification for a demand, it's hard to make it because they're kind of like, okay, and like, why should I give you 15% more? <laughs> yeah. Um, and like suggesting that you are just like inherently valuable or like especially valuable without having anything to back it up can make you sound kind of arrogant because you haven't like best thought through how to communicate that. Like you're like, give me this additional money just because I'm better than others. Yeah. But like coming with it being like, I did a project that's like really similar to what you guys are asking for. And I have this, all of this, these years of experience and whatever. So yeah, just like think through the rationale beforehand too. Yeah. Thinking through the rationale. And I feel like even in like a professional setting, like coming, like it's all about how you say it and how you frame it. Like coming in and being like, I'd love to land at this salary, Um, But I'm willing to like discuss and hear more about like what you can handle from a budget perspective. You know what I mean? Just kind Mm -hmm. of like, it's all about, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. As like cliche as that sounds, but it really is. Um, Our next tip, and we've kind of alluded to this as we've gone throughout the episode, but it really, you do need to be flexible in negotiations. Uh, I think- the article that I was reading, um, they said, know where you want to get, but be flexible with how you get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I really liked that because it's it's not allowing you to budge necessarily on what you want and what is bringing you to the negotiation table, so to speak, to begin with. But it's giving you that flexibility to really work with the other parties involved in order to reach that outcome. Um, and don't get fixated on money. Folk- and this is professional, obviously. Focus on the value of the entire entire deal. So look at your responsibilities, look at the location, look at your travel, flexible work hours, opportunities for growth, perks, benefits, um, support for continued education. All of that stuff has value on top of your salary. Granted, that stuff doesn't necessarily pay the bills, but kind of figure out, you know, 
how much you value those other amenities, for lack of a better term, benefits, um, on top of your salary. And if a company isn't willing to budge on salary or isn't willing to budge as much on salary as you would hope, start to negotiate some of those um, softer benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, if you come in and say you want 80K and they can only give you 75, say, okay, 75 is fine, but... Could give me I another have... week of vacation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my biggest thing. That so, was the first thing I would ask for more of if I can't budge on money. Yeah. I'm like, give me more PTO. Yeah, exactly. Because that's basically money. That's them paying you for mm-hmm. work you're not doing. So, No, for sure. The next one, and this is more um, of a personal aspect, although I guess it could be professional too. Yeah. Um, is just to be aware of gender bias. And I know most of the people listening to this show identify as female. We see our... Yeah. demographics <laughs> but for the few men here and fem- maybe the females need a reminder too yeah um is really just to like check your gender stereotypes whenever you're in a negotiation setting i think it's very stereotypical that like w- women that are like quote unquote like aggressive in these types of situations um are you know coming across really strong and like doing too much and all these things but in reality they're just asking for what they want in the same way that a man would yeah so just you know something to think about but you guys are all great, I'm sure. I'm sure we didn't even need that disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next one is to find leverage. Uh, and with this, we're really talking about like reframing the conversation so that it highlights the benefits for both parties. Why the outcome that you want would not only be a good outcome for you, that kind of goes without saying, otherwise you wouldn't be fighting for it. Um, but why would benefit the other party as well? Because at the end of the day, a negotiation, a compromise isn't a contest. Like there isn't, there aren't winners and losers. Like the idea is to have both parties mutually benefit. So your job is to figure out where they're flexible and where they're not flexible. So for example, if you're talking to a large company that's hiring like 20 similar people at the same time, it probably can't give you a higher salary than everyone else, but it may be flexible on your start date or your PTO, some of those other um, like softer benefits that we were talking about. On the other hand, if you're negotiating with a smaller company that has never hired someone in your role, uh, there may be room for you to adjust that initial salary offer or job title, but not necessarily the benefits because they may not have the budget and infrastructure to budge on those. Um, So the better you understand the constraints and the environment that you're working in, the more likely it is that you'll be able to propose options that solve both sides problems. I love leverage as a Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> I live my life just looking for leverage in different areas. So mm-hmm. really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, the next tip is to kind of balance the desire to meet these goals with the needs to foster a good relationship. So assuming that this is in your personal life, obviously you care about that person. You don't want to burn bridges. I can think of like a roommate situation, right? Like you've already agreed to live together. Yeah. You're probably signing this lease and trying to figure out who's going to be in what bedroom. You don't want to like ruin your dynamic for the rest of the year by like fighting too hard for one specific bedroom. Yeah. (laughs) So kind of like trying to avoid backlash and remember like no one's out to get you in these situations. Everyone's just kind of trying to figure out the best outcome for themselves and for other people involved. So like, I think especially in the job search process, it can kind of feel like they're not budging at all. Like they're out to get me like, but it's like they're working with the constraints that they're working with. And so are you. And yeah, just kind of like toe that fine line between really trying to get what you want and your high level goals, but also just like knowing that 
chances are you're going to have to interact with this person after this anyway. So like, don't be nasty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And this next one, I kind of got into this with um, the last tip that I talked about, but uh, this article called it writing their victory speech. So it's basically showing the other party what it would look like if they accepted the quote unquote deal. Um, obviously, if we're talking yeah. personal, it's not like, a deal. You know, if we're talking about the apartments, whatever, it's like, oh, but in that bedroom, like your furniture could fit so nice against that wall. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine how beautiful your, your your desk would look in that corner. I yeah. can see it. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you want to aim for a win-win situation, um, and make sure that not only you feel good about getting the outcome that you wanted, obviously, but the other person feels good about the outcome as well. Yes. And then our last tip is just to tell the truth and don't sugarcoat it or dance around it. Um, and kind of on this same note, like, I think this is important for every type of negotiation, but especially for like a career one is just to like lay out all your cards at once. So like if you get an offer and you're unhappy with like three areas of it. Let's say like, it's like you would like a higher salary, you would like more PTO and you would like more stock options. Go back to that person with all of those things at once. Because if you go back with salary and then they do all this work to like amend the contract and talk to all the right people or whatever, and then they send you it back and then you say, oh, and another thing, stocks. Like, and then they have to go through that same process again. Like you're creating work for the person and the social capital that I talked about, like they're losing a little bit of that every time they have to do yeah. something for you. Yeah. So even if it seems like kind of a hefty amount of things to bring up at once, I promise you that is the better pathway yeah. because if you are kind of one of those like, and another thing and another thing, like that's not a good look. And I think also the same goes for like in a more personal negotiation, like going back to the apartment example, it's like you should have an idea of all the things that you want up front because if you find a place that has the things you said, and then you're there and you're like, oh, and another thing, this place doesn't have a washer dryer. It's like, well, you never said that. You yeah. know what I mean? So think through like all the elements of like what a good outcome for you would be and like be upfront about it because otherwise it's just annoying to everyone else involved. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is so random, but that made me think of the call her daddy situation mm. when Sophia okay. just kept yeah. coming back to Barstool. Yeah, true. And guess what happened to Sophia, folks? She's out. So something to think about. No, that's that's a good point. About. Yeah. Yeah. That was not a good negotiation tactic. Yeah. That's no. how she burned the bridge. Exactly. Don't be like Sophia. Don't be like Sophia. <laughs> Sophia did not do her homework. She was an and another thing type of person. No good. And now Alex is sitting pretty with her $60 million Spotify deal. That could be you. That could be you. Who are you? A Sophia or an Alex? <laughs> Come on. Uh, but That is everything that we have for this episode. We hope you guys found it helpful. Negotiations, no matter what, are... Uncomfy. Uncomfy. Yeah. It's not fun. We all hate them. No one likes doing it. Even people who are really, really good at it and seem to really have, like, their shit together when it comes to this stuff are not having a good time doing it. It's uncomfortable for everyone, but it's really, really important to do professionally, and it's important to do personally. Um, I think it really is a huge part of conflict mitigation and all of that. So learning how to do it the right way is key. So we hope this was helpful for that. Yes. So thanks so much for listening. If you've made it this far, you should definitely buy some merch. Yes. We'll have the link in the description below. Other than that, you can follow us on Instagram, submit comments to anonymous suggestion box. Let us know if you have any questions you'd like advice on. And with that, we will chat with you guys next Tuesday. Bye guys.